0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to part two of our talk on cardiac masses. And we left off last time mentioning that lipomas are the second most common primary cardiac tumor. Uh, they're more common in middle-aged adults. Approximately 50% of lipomas originate from the subendocardial layer, and the other half arise from the sub-epicardial or myocardial layers and grow into the pericardial sac. They're typically asymptomatic, but they can cause arrhythmias, or valvular dysfunction, so they are important. Subepicardial lipomas can compress the coronary arteries, which can lead to ischemia and chest pain. Now, the thing about lipomas that's interesting, when you look at some of the numbers, they tend to be lesions that often are overlooked when people read scans, because Sometimes people just assume it's part of the pericardial or epicardial fat. And here's just a nice example of a lipoma. You can see image on your left, the, the location pushing on the patient's left atrium, and very similar on the uh, second case. You can see lipominous hypertrophy on the first case, lipoma. They can occur as solitary or multiple tumors, typically well-circumscribed fat density, uh, lipomatous hypertrophy of the intra septum does occur, uh, and that's part of the differential diagnosis. When you look at some of the features of lipoma, in this article by uh, Cassop, he makes the point they're smooth, encapsulated, a fat attenuation, there's no enhancement, and multiple lesions can be seen with tuberous sclerosis. So that's pretty unusual, tuberous sclerosis. So most of the time, it's a single lesion, most typically closer to the right atrium. Now, what about malignancy? Well, angiosarcoma is the most common primary cardiac malignant tumor, and it's comprised of cells that develop multiple irregular vascular channels. The location becomes critical. The right atrial free wall is 80% of cases, and less commonly the right ventricle or pericardium. That means if you see a lesion originating by the right atrial free wall, you got to be thinking about cardiac angiosarcoma. The tumor morphology consists of large multi laubar mass with heterogeneous composition that spreads along the epicardial surface and replaces the right atrial wall. It can spread along the course of the pericardium. It could invade adjacent cardiac structures and typically causes recurrent pericardial effusions. It's a highly aggressive tumor. They preferentially affect men and have a peak incidence in the fourth decade of life. As we mentioned, the majority are right atrial in origin, and they're really infiltrative. Most of the time I see extension along the pericardium, but you can have direct extension into the atrium and then involving tricuspid valve, right ventricle, and even right coronary artery. Metastasis will develop at a high percent of these cases, most commonly to the lungs, but also can be bone, colon, and brain. The patients typically present with symptoms of right heart failure, shortness of breath to hemopericardium, and palpitation secondary to arrhythmias. In this article by Lichtenberger, he makes several points. Cardiac angiosarcomas occur almost exclusively in the right atrium near the AV sulcus. Okay and mentions about symptoms and again the age under 65 peaking in fourth to fifth decade with more male than females very very important and again location becomes everything and i show this slide as well as the one before to show you that every article does put the numbers at about 80 percent in the right atrium very important now here's some examples now one of the things about angiosarcomas Is although they theoretically arise most commonly in the right atrium often when you'll see them they're involving the entire heart here's just an amazing example of where the entire pericardium is infiltrated now you can see we're not dealing with just pericardial effusion look at these lobulations the pericardium is infiltrated now if you want to say the patient has metastatic breast cancer or some other metastasis to the pericardium i guess i could consider that possibility though usually it has a slightly different appearance and more enhancement. Here the lobulations and the way it pushes on the right atrium and the right ventricle is very classic for angiosarcoma. Here's a few more images with MIP imaging showing those lobulations along the right side of the heart especially, but to a lesser degree on the left side. Here it is on coronal display. Look how extensive the tumor is. There's obviously some pericardial effusion, but what you're really seeing is infiltration and essentially replacement of the entire or almost the entire pericardium. And you could see it here again on coronal views, very nicely showing you the lobulations. Another example, here's an angiosarcoma arising in the right atrium, sort of a classic occurrence, pushing into the right atrium, a lobular mass, You might have considered a mass that was adjacent to the atrium here's another example compared to the prior case this is much larger it's much more aggressive you're losing the appearance of the patient's right atrium you see some contrast but you see the infiltration you see it compressing the uh, patient's svc you see it extending toward the aortic root and you see it going to involve the left side of the heart as well it's very impressive how extensive this tumor is you see the pleural effusions, you see the pericardial effusion particularly on the left, but it's the large aggressive tumor that's very important. Again, nicely shown on these coronal views. When you look at the images on delayed phase imaging, you can see again the distortion of the right ventricle and then the right atrium. You see the tumor infiltration, again very nicely shown also when you look at the patient's uh, cinematic rendering. It's a very aggressive tumor. If you start thinking about things that look like that, I guess you could think about lymphoma, perhaps. You could think about metastasis, but that location really helps you call this an angiosarcoma. Here's another patient. I guess I could consider lymphoma in a 26-year-old female, but look at the size of that mass invading and distorting the patient's right atrium extending toward right ventricle it's a large bulky tumor infiltrating and you can see when you do the cinematic the intraluminal component of the right atrial tumor very nicely shown you can see why these tumors can shower emboli here it is in coronal display compressing and narrowing the superior vena cava and here it is again with the cinematic showing you the extent of tumor now, there are other tumors, undifferentiated sarcomas. This patient presented with a hypodense polypoid mass, which appears to arise from or growing into the left atrium. There's encasement in their occlusion of the left pulmonary artery, circumferential encasement of the circumflex coronary vein, and infiltration of the pericardium. You could think about metastasis in this case, but this was a sarcoma. Now, there's a number of different sarcomas beyond angiosarcomas. Sometimes the Leier-Meier sarcomas, sometimes they're undifferentiated sarcomas. Here's an, a really unusual case. This is a chondroblastic osteosarcoma which arose in the region of the patient's mitral valve and is growing in the patient's left atrium, growing into the patient's left ventricle. Just a really impressive lesion. Now, I have to admit, it's not the best location for atrial myxoma, Right. Well, left atrium is good, but it's sitting in the wrong spot. It's sitting between the atrium and the ventricle by the patient's uh, valve. So in this case, it makes it a bit easier when you're looking at something involving the valve, the mitral valve in this case, to know that it's not going to be an atrial myxoma. But just a really nice example of this case, showing it to you as well in sagittal views. Now, one of the things we mentioned that there are a lot of unusual sarcomas, chondroblastic osteosarcoma, osteosarcomas in general. So there are a lot of unusual tumors that can occur in the heart. Extraskeletal chondroblastic osteosarcoma, like the last case is one of them. It's very, very unusual, and that's probably the best case I have, and maybe the only case. Now what else, primary cardiac lymphoma. These are typically B-cell lymphomas seen in immunosuppressed patients. They have a predilection for the right side of the heart. That's why I mentioned before, can look very similar to angiosarcomas. They can present with nonspecific symptoms, including constitutional symptoms. Because they're aggressive B-cell lymphomas, uh, you may also see other areas of involvement, be it the stomach, be it the liver, be it the kidneys. Again, they're B cell lymphomas with an increased incidence in patients uh, related to Epstein Barr virus, in patients with AIDS, and in patients who've had transplants. It's an older population, about age 63. Again, besides the right side of the heart and the right atrium, any chamber can be involved. It's a rare extranodal lymphoma. Again, um, one of the things I've noticed, and I'll show you some examples. It may not be the only finding it's interesting a couple of cases i'll show you the patients present with shortness of breath or chest pain you find the cardiac lesion you also find an extra cardiac lesion then you put two and two together and you could reach the diagnosis when you have um, these cardiac lymphomas that typically low ct attenuation minimal if any enhancement soft tissue density no calcification and they can spread locally. They can be very extensive, invade chambers, be it left atrium and right atrium, or be it ventricles, so they can involve multiple chambers. Here's a nice example of lymphoma growing down and involving the pericardium. Is extending also medially into the middle mediastinum. Soft tissue density, no real enhancement, but very nice infiltration, as you can see here. Here it is again on the sagittal view. Look how large this is. Looks like a large anterior metastinal mass, which in part it is, but really you have a mass that's infiltrating down on the pericardium. Here's a patient with CLL with cardiac involvement. And you look at the distortion in the region of the right um, side of the heart by the pulmonary artery. You see the infiltration centrally, very nicely defined on this venous phase imaging. Again, encasement of the pulmonary artery, infiltration around the bronchi, and as you scan downward, the cinematic really nicely shows you that infiltration. So when you see infiltration, remember I spoke about angiosarcomas before, but that's right atrium. When you see it more in the middle of the heart, you see it on the left side, you got to be thinking about lymphoma. And this is just a really good example of how infiltrating the tumor bees and how challenging it can be. Here's another patient with what is a pericardial effusion, but you also see masses on the patient's right atrium. You can see the lobulation of those masses also in the interventricular septum. So now we're talking about multiple masses. We're also talking about pericardial effusion, and that's a good diagnosis. Leukemia is one of those things, as is lymphoma, as is metastasis that can give you multiple lesions. Uh, that are spread apart involving multiple different areas. Just a really nice example, including involvement in this case of the patient's left ventricle. So again, usually related to extensive systemic involvement, primary cardiac lymphoma alone is rare. And again, think about patients who are immunosuppressed or AIDS patients. And here's a nice example, infiltration left side of the heart, the pericardium, look at the left ventricle, pleural effusions, consolidation, and then you follow it down into the abdomen. The adrenal glands are infiltrated. The kidneys are infiltrated. So very impressive, very nicely on the cinematic, the infiltration of the left ventricle, the infiltration of the adrenal glands, as we saw a moment ago, very nicely seen. And again, the infiltration of the kidneys. So multi-organ involvement is one of the common things when you have cardiac lymphoma. And I love the kidneys on the cinematic, really shows you the textural change due to tumor infiltration. Now here's an unusual case fairly recently we had a plasmoblastic lymphoma. Patient presented with shortness of breath, had a pelvic mass as well detected. And you can see that there's the mass in the heart infiltrating into the middle metastinum, surrounding the cardiac chambers, involving the patient's right atrium, involving the patient's right ventricle. Really an impressive infiltrating tumor. I might have thought about lymphoma. I could think about thymoma growing into the heart. Those are two possibilities. Metastasis, very impressive on the sagittal view. And then you see a large pelvic mass. So anytime you see cardiac, and other areas, including the pelvis, bulky adenopathy, you really have to be thinking about lymphoma, which was the right diagnosis in this case. Now, most of the primary cardiac malignant tumors are sarcomas, about 90%. We mentioned all the various types. So something to really remember as you talk about differential diagnosis. But again, take one step back and say, 40 times more common are metastasis than primary tumors. So when you're evaluating a case and you're thinking about a primary tumor, make sure you at least entertain strongly the possibility of metastatic disease. Here's another example in the sarcoma range. Here's a spindle cell sarcoma arising from the left atrial appendage, large bulky infiltrative tumor, very nicely shown here, extending down to involve the region of the left ventricle, pulmonary artery and growing down toward the pericardium. Coronal views as well as 3D images can be very valuable, showing you the full extent of the tumor. This can be helpful in patients whose tumors can be radiated. These are very difficult tumors to manage. Now we talked about metastatic disease being far more common. The most common mets arise from the lung followed by breast and then hematologic malignancies. Melanoma has the greatest propensity to metastasize to the heart, but is often found late in the disease processes. When you think about metastasis, it could involve the pericardium, most commonly, then epicardium and myocardium. Endocardial or intracavitary involvement is fairly uncommon. In this article by Mal Zawitsky, you can see how they show the spread from hematogenous to lymphatic to direct venous extension to direct extension by tumors, for example, thymoma or breast cancer or lung cancer. Here's a nice example of a renal cell carcinoma growing up into the renal vein, into the IVC and into the right atrium. So right atrial tumors, you want to look very carefully because it may be something growing upward. The most common that grows from the IVC are renal cell carcinomas, adrenal carcinomas and hepatoma. You can have primary IVC sarcomas, which can grow into the heart. Here's just a few more images of that case. Another example, large filling defect in the right atrium. You can think about what it could be in the right atrium as a primary tumor, but you scan more inferiorly and you see the patient has extensive infiltration of the IVC with neovascularity, which was from a renal cell carcinoma. And here's just a few more images of that left-sided renal cell carcinoma involving the renal vein, IVC, and then the right atrium, all very nicely shown on this series of images. Now, this was an interesting case. This patient had stromal sarcoma, arose out of the pelvis, went into the IVC, up to the heart. This was resected. Many years later, the patient recurred. You see the large mass in the right atrium, Coming up, you can see the patient has an IVC filter, which was literally destroyed by the extensive tumor recurrence growing upward through the IVC in the liver and extending directly into the patient's right atrium. Now, for some of these tumors, they will actually do surgery, go in, do a thoracoabdominal approach, and be able to remove the tumor successfully. Again, this tumor is very nicely shown to you on the cinematic rendering as well. Now here's a nice example of a mass growing into the heart, growing along the pulmonary veins into the left atrium. Very nicely shown this metastatic melanoma. Classic peripheral to central extension of tumor. Here it is on the sagittal views. Another example, this patient had adenocystic tumor. It's metastatic to the uh, right ventricle. You very nicely can see the tumor implant right there. That's a good visualization of a tumor implant to the heart, particularly the right ventricle. You can see in this case when you look a bit further, there are other implants on the right uh, atrium as well as the right ventricle, as well as pulmonary and liver metastasis as well. Remember, patients who have Mets to the heart typically have multiple other sites of metastasis. It's usually a sign of very extensive disease and just some really nice images showing you that here. Now, things that can be confused with tumorous pericardial cysts, which are all benign, they're anomalous outpouchings of parietal pericardium, typically the right cardiophretic location in the majority of cases, they're typically in the 1 to 5 cm range, but can be as large as 25 centimeters, and it's usually an incidental finding. The attenuation is usually under 20 Hounsfield units, they do not enhance. They sit right anteriorly and against the diaphragm. They're smooth margined. There's no enhancement, as I mentioned, and it's usually an incidental finding. Sometimes the challenge, depending on location, is distinguishing a pericardial cyst from a bronchogenic cyst from an esophageal duplication cyst. But here it is very nicely along the right cardiac border, sitting right by the diaphragm, classic pericardial cyst. And the coronal view, particularly helpful, showing you that lesion It's not a metastasis, it's not an implant, it's a pericardial cyst. Here's another more common pericardial cyst along the right side of the heart. Again, pericardial cysts are typically anterior and right-sided. Coronal views of uncertain really help you out, how it sits along the diaphragm, its smooth margins, lack of enhancement, and water density attenuation. Here's another larger pericardial cyst, very nicely shown there, and you can see it on the coronal views. Again, you can imagine why, if it's just a little bit medial, you could think about a mediastinal cyst or esophageal cyst, or if it's a bit higher, a bronchogenic cyst. Occasionally, pericardial cysts will calcify. That's pretty unusual, but this is one example with partial calcification, And this was eventually removed because the patient was having symptoms of pericardial tamponade. Now, something that probably isn't considered a cardiac tumor, but it's really close in my mind, is a pulmonary artery sarcoma because it arises from the pulmonary arteries. So that's really not the heart. It's a rare tumor. It looks like the world's largest PE. And typically, it's diagnosed as PE, except the patient's tumor does not resolve when you give anticoagulant therapy with most pe's in fact do it can be in the main pulmonary artery or in one of its branches or in multiple of its branches leiomyosarcoma is the most common cell type these lesions can enhance a bit but most commonly are isodense they're typically lobulated and fill in the entire lumen Here's a nice example. In this case, you could have said the patient had lung cancer and there was a tumor growing into the pulmonary artery. That's a possibility. There's such a large mass in this and this direct extension, it looks like, into the pulmonary artery. This was subsequently worked up and this was a primary pulmonary artery sarcoma. So this is one of the appearances. And again, this one, you really think about something outside growing in a sarcoma, a metastasis of some sort, but just a very nice example showing you that. But here's a more classic case. You see the what looks like the world's largest saddle emboli, which was what it was called, but the patient did not respond to therapy. Eventually, this was biopsied, and this was a pulmonary artery sarcoma. They expand the pulmonary artery. When you have a saddle embolus, it does not expand the vessel. It also doesn't extend wall-to-wall as this lesion does there really is minimal enhancement of any so that enhancement of a pulmonary artery sarcoma versus a p that doesn't enhance theory that's pretty good but the reality is most pulmonary artery uh, sarcomas do not enhance so just some really nice views from the axial to the coronal again giving you a really good look at a very unusual tumor now, other things about cardiac thrombi, we mentioned them before. They don't enhance. More common in the right atrium. Patients often have risk factors. Patients have had stents in place. Also, patients with left atrial appendage filling defects. That's most commonly going to be a thrombi. That's just because. And now... We know that left atrial thrombi can lead to embolic phenomena, which could be very tragic for patients. And so Watchman devices can be put in in better than 90% of cases and be put in very successfully. Here's a nice example of a clot in the patient's left atrial appendage, as well as pulmonary emboli in the patient's right pulmonary artery. You can see left ventricular thrombi. They're often in an area of myocardial hypokinesis, it's usually secondary to a thrombus that has occurred. Typically, they may also have calcifications. Um, Here's a good appearance, two infarcts with mural thrombi present, one with very dense calcification. Here's a case with bilateral thrombi in both the right and left ventricles. That's kind of an unusual appearance, but it's a wonderful location and wonderful appearance, particularly the lesions at the edge of the chambers. Now, summarizing then, we've covered a lot of material in these two lectures. We've looked at a range of cardiac tumors. We've looked at some of the specific findings in the cardiac tumors. We spoke about things to think about from location, like myxomas are left-sided, And lesions off the valve are typically fibroelastomas. When they involve the right atrium, it's typically angiosarcomas. And when it's more extensive and diffuse, we're thinking about lymphoma. We talk about unusual tumors, including osteosarcoma. We talk about things that invade in, be it renal cell carcinoma or lung cancer, or adrenal cancer, or even IVC sarcoma. So when you think about all of those things, and also remembering, we love to think about primary tumors, but always think about METs because METs are up to 40 times more common. So with that, I'll stop there. I'll thank you for your attention and hope the lecture helps you out. Have a great day.